This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. Twelve fifty WGAM Manchester WGHM Nashua. Stretch run two hours down here on ESPN New Hampshire. One to go on a Tuesday, our first show of 2017. A happy new year to you and yours from Justin Sullivan working the boards and myself, Jimmy Murphy, hosting here on the stretch run. And uh, a happy new year to our next guest joining us right now from Comcast Sportsnet New England and the leader, the president of the Fire Claude Julian campaign, Joe Haggerty. Joe, how you doing? What's up, Murph? Uh, you know, <laughs> I am not. Uh, I'm not saying, and I have not been saying that he is the sole uh, reason for the struggles, or that you know he. I know, he's, dude. He's you to blame do. for everything. But I mean, let's let's be realistic. The people that uh, think he's blameless or think that he doesn't play a part in what's gone on in the last three years, and that you know that there isn't a, a big helping of blame to go along with the coach, along with the players, they're in complete denial. So it's, you know, there, there are interesting uh, different camps here, and uh, I think uh, there's a gray area in between uh, where people aren't sort of looking at all sides. because that, That's kind of where I lay, but I if I had to make a choice, I'd keep him, and I would fire uh, number eight, Cam Neely. Yeah, but I don't think that is going to happen. You know? No, it's not. Uh, and, and I don't think firing Cam Neely is going to have an effect immediately on the on-ice product. I don't. I think firing Claude Julian would and potentially would have a good, um, you know, burst and would, would provide a spark for the team moving forward. And I think that's where you're at right now is you're stuck in the mud 
and you need something that's going to spark that team and get them moving in a different direction and hopefully maybe allow them to get an extended winning streak uh, that will give them a little bit of a cushion here and maybe uh, give them some separation from uh, the Lightning, the Leafs, and the Panthers that are breathing down their necks. You know, I, based on merit, I agree with you, but, like, how many moves happen in sports the way they should based on merit? And uh, the easiest move to make that would have an impact is fire Claude Julian. Uh, they're looking exactly the same as they have the last couple of years where there's too many no-shows. There's too many times where they're losing to bad teams because it looks like they just go in thinking they're going to win, and there's minimal amount of effort. And it looks like, uh, you know, the hard work and the effort that you have to put in is, is not there every night. And, yes, the players are to blame for that, but I think to some degree the coach has to uh, pay the price for that as well. All right. I, I know I, I can see your points, and I agree, but – I mean, first off, I hope you're not in a camp that would say, well, if the Pittsburgh Penguins did it, then why can't the Bruins, once they fire Chloe, they can go on a cup run? I hope, I hope we're well, not there. Well, no, it's not that they go on a cup because run. Because there's, there's a little element missing to the Bruins lineup that, you know, is on the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup. No, I understand that. But it does illustrate that teams can play better uh, once a move is made. And that does have a positive impact on the club. And if you remember... Sidney Crosby was really bad uh, for that other coach. But he is Sidney Crosby. Magically, magically, once Mike Sullivan was hired, all of a sudden Sidney Crosby went back to being the best player in the world. And I find it curious that so many of the best players in the Bruins are not playing up snuff right now. And I wonder if a change in, in the coaching, uh, the head coaching position, would all of a sudden uh, they'd find that magical elixir where they'd find their games again. I'm, they, I'm they not could. saying it would happen. They could. I'm just saying it could. But none of those players on the Bruins are Sidney Crosby. And that's why I don't. I don't. I could see no, it having no, an immediate impact, but they're not going to go that far. I mean, how far an impact will it have? You know. No, but they, they can be a lot better than they've been. You okay. Know? I, I, this team is is showing a lot of warning signs in the second half of the year. They're going to do the same exact thing that they've done the last few years, and part of it that's different from those years is they're just not getting it done from their best players. And you know, if they can get the usual performances from their best players. I think they're going to be pretty okay in the second half of the year with the development of some of the young guys. But if they continue to go through the motions like they have in the first half, they're not going to make it. And I just don't but, know. So what, my thing is, what, who cares if they don't make it, though? They're a bubble team. They're going to be one and out anyways. I don't care if Scotty Bowman comes back to coach them. This team is not going on any type of run because you fire Claude Julian. It, no, or, they're not going on a run, but it... it First of all, I don't think he's necessarily the guy that's going to be the long-term solution for this team as the coach going forward. I don't think this is Don Sweeney's guy. And if Don Sweeney and Cam Neely get fired, I don't think he's going to be the next GM's guy either. He's going to want to bring in his own coach. Yeah. So I, regardless of what happens, I don't think Claude Julian is the long-term solution for this team. So why hang on to him if that's the case? Well, you know, they should have just got rid of him last year. I mean, we can agree on that. Well, of course. Yeah. But like, And the point is, it doesn't matter if we don't think getting in the playoffs matters or it you know they're one and done i agree with you but it's very important to the gm and the president that they get in the playoffs and to the ownership and they're going to make the moves that they have to make to ensure that that happens or give it the best chance to have it happen uh and i think that's the point is yeah we can agree it it doesn't make sense to us but it's going to make sense to the people that are making the decisions and i think that's why ultimately a move like that could happen well i mean it it's likely the most it's the most likely move that will happen if this if yeah. things don't change right now. We can agree on that. My thing is, why not look now? Again, this is kind of 
You know, this is kind of contradicting what I'm saying when don't compare this to the Penguins situation because by no means are the Boston Bruins the New England Patriots of hockey. However, let's look at this season that the Patriots just had and let's go back to the first half of the season when the Patriots had arguably one of the worst defenses and one of the most underachieving defenses, a very solid defense on paper, and a, but a very underachieving defense on the field uh, in the first half. And their GM slash coach decides, obviously he's not going to fire himself, but he could have easily fired his defensive coordinator. There was talk that maybe that should be the move. And instead he says, how about I put the onus on the players for once and fire arguably uh, and trade arguably the most skilled player on my team on the defensive side of the ball in Jamie Collins. And he does that. And whoa. What do you know? They wake up and they come back, and now they're arguably the best defense going into the playoffs. My thing is, Joe, why not trade David Krejci? Or why not trade, God forbid me saying this, I don't think it's a good idea. But you want to send a statement to young kids, you want to really teach underachieving players a lesson, then trade somebody. I'm not saying to do it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying I think a louder message is sent when you trade a star player like a Krejci or a Bergeron. That's when I think the message is heard loud and clear, especially when you're dealing with young kids who could look at it and say, ah, well, you know what? If I slack off, it's not on me. They'll just trade the coach. No big deal. I'll still have a job. Why not send that message now and say, that's not how things are going to be run here. You, you want to slack off? You want to come out and have these starts? No, we don't blame it on Claude. We blame it on you. You're the one not going out and executing the game plan that's been presented to you. You're the one that's going to get dealt out of town if you don't execute what we present to you well i'm not ruling that out i think what they need is a spark and a big change and that could potentially be a trade as well and you know it will never happen though right we agree i mean that's just the way sports goes usually well i don't think it's going to happen for a number of uh, a couple of different reasons one uh the bruins don't, don't have a championship level roster so it's not like it, it's not like trading. They're going to be able to survive trading away a star player. If they trade away a star player, I think they're basically kissing away, you know, their efforts and hopes to get into the playoffs. I think that they don't have enough where they can do addition by subtraction with players like that. And I think the second part of it is I don't have a lot of faith in this GM to make to make a good trade under the gun. Uh, Neither does you know, Finn. Under, under duress <laughs> to, to improve the team and to get fair value back in return. And, you know, when you put those two things together, it's, I, if I'm Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, I feel a lot more confident about saying, you know, we know we like uh, Bruce Cassidy. We like that he has good relationships with the, uh, some of the young players. We like the work that – because Bruce Cassidy's worked with the defenseman this year. Yep. I think he should get a lot of the credit as to how well they've played. Uh, you know, we like the work that he's done there with them. So we're going to go with him as our head guy, and we're going to make the moves that we can make here firing close because that's something that we kind of can control. And, you know, we're not opening the door to make a trade where we get hosed again like, you know, some of the other deals that they've made. So, mm. uh, you know, I think it's the most conservative move that they can make while still making a big impact. But I, I don't rule out them making a trade, whether it's Anaheim trading a defenseman, whether it's Colorado, Colorado. pieces that they want to trade. I'd be know, all over them right like, now. I yeah, would... a guy like Landeskog, I think, would be a really good fit yeah. for the Bruins. I, you know, maybe that happens. Certainly, I think they'll talk. But I, put it this way. If a player is available in a trade, 
I'm not putting Don Sweeney in my top five GMs to get the deal done. I'm just not. How much do you, you know? think he's – but I, I want to ask you, Joe, based on what you know, and you're around the team a lot more than me now, um, you know, how much is it solely Don Sweeney right now? Does he have autonomy, or is it a, a duo of Cam Neely, or is it Cam Neely calling the shots? Well, I, Cam Neely's the president. Of course he's calling the shots, but I think Don Sweeney has got, you know, leeway to make moves and to talk to teams and to try to make stuff happen. And and I think it would be a total cop-out for a GM to say, you know, well, not my, not me, I'm not making any calls. Well, he'd never say that, no. call the president. Like, I'm not, I'm not letting off Don Sweeney because Cam Neely has you know, been influential in some of the stuff that's going on. And, and I think it would be a mistake to do that because if he's that weak as a GM, that he doesn't stand up to his president and doesn't ever get any of his moves made or, you know, isn't actively involved in making stuff happen, then he's not a very good GM either. So, you know, I think it's both of them working in tandem. And, you know, like I said, they've had two years to make a deal for a defense and they haven't been able to do it. So uh, until that happens, I'm not having a lot of faith that uh, Don Sweeney is going to be able to close deals when he has to close them. All right. Let's look at, uh, first off, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk since what we thought. We kind of both agreed last week, the last time we spoke, like, eh, it's a pretty good chance they lose one of these to Buffalo, and that's it for close. And they don't do that, as always, right? When you think it's about to happen, they go and they win. Um, But then you get last night. Like... Your thoughts besides coaching, let's just look on the ice. What's going on to you uh, in these starts that you're not liking, you know, hockey-wise? Like, what, what aren't they doing? Are they not pushing the tempo? Are they not, are they not coming out physical enough? Are they not putting enough quality shots on? What to you is really standing out that is a key factor in these slow starts? Well, it's, it's the lack of work, and it's the lack of focus, and it's, the stuff that I'm talking about where they just don't have that like snap to their game that that should be a prerequisite. It should be an absolute bare minimum if you play in the league. You know, Mm -hmm. four line changes last night, sloppy line changes to start, kind of a sleepy start. Uh, They settle for shots from the outside in the perimeter. They don't work to get to the front of the net enough. Uh, You know, they're making breakdowns in their own end, taking bad penalties. Um, not doing anything with the powers, power plays that they have. I mean, when you look at a lot of the stuff that's going on, a lot of it you're going to say, that is kind of, there's some coaching involvement there, you know? And right. Obviously, there's player involvement as well where they've got to go out and execute. But, you know, I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand here where, like, you can have all the skilled players in the world and all the good offensive players in the world, but if they're settling for stuff from the outside, and they're not getting close to the net, like they're not going to score as much, and they're not going to get goals that other teams are getting. And you know, if if they're always spotting other teams' leads, uh, then and playing uh, catch up, it's, it's going to be an issue. And even lately, what's really been prevalent, I think, as of late, is that I think the weight that Tuukka Rask has got on his shoulders carrying this team is starting to impact him, and you're starting to see him oh, yeah. let up. You know soft goals every once in a while. Yeah. And he wasn't doing that at all for like a month and a half, two months stretch. And all, all of a sudden over the last month, you've seen goals where you're like, nah, he wasn't giving that up for the first few months of the season. And that, that yet again, that's another warning sign to me that, man, things are going to, the wheels are going to fall yeah, off once, here. <laughs> once he gets uh, frustrated, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I just, Murph, like we've watched the same movie for two friggin' years in a row, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you can see all the yeah. ingredients for the same movie playing out again oh, this yeah. year. And the Bruins aren't doing a goddamn thing about it right Spe- now. And speak- I, 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 I think that's going to be ultra frustrating for fans. It's certainly frustrating for people that cover the team because you're like, what more do you need to see than last night's no-show Yeah. after those two games against Buffalo to say, you know what, there's something fundamentally rotten with this team that needs to be changed yeah. in a significant way. And, you know, for them not to do anything about it, either they can't, or they are just afraid to make a move. And I think they're afraid to make a move and afraid of the backlash. I think part of the hesitation of fire Claude Julian is they're afraid of what the fan uh, backlash is going to be, and they're afraid of the, the negative reaction that's going to happen to getting rid of the best coach that they've ever had. You know, mm-hmm. And that's understandable, that's fair, and I think that they should be afraid of that a little bit because they're going to have to suffer some criticism. We all know that this upper management group does not like to be criticized. No. So. They're not going to like what that Jimmy Murphy guy has to say, I'll tell you that. (laughs) You know, it's a very... uh, Sensitive. Yeah, it's a very tough stretch and tough spot that they're in, but you know what? They're going to start making some hard decisions uh, if they want to turn this thing around and they want to get the team at least back into the playoffs this year. They've been putting off hard decisions for a couple years, the real tough ones. They're going to start making some, or they're going to suffer the same fate they did the last few years. And you know, and if it continues that way, you speak of ingredients. One Tuka Rask will be looking for the new ingredients in the Buffalo Wings at Buffs, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what's going to happen, Joe. And once he hits Buffs, it's all over. <laughs> That's the end of the season, as we saw last year. Hey, Joe, quickly before I let you go, though, and I wanted to get this in before. I forget. All right, so we, we've identified what you think are the problems, but if you were like one of the coaches right now and you had to pick a player that is the flattest at the beginning of the games, a guy that you think really needs to step it up in order for the other guys to get it going, who would it be? Well, it's different guys every game, you know? But who's the most consistent in terms of that to you right now? Look, there's more times, I think, when David Krejci's consistent than other players. I don't think there's any question about that. Yep. But... You know, he was pretty good through some of the stretch of summer. He was really games. good in but, December. But, yeah, but, I, you know, the problem is then that, like, you know, Bergeron has had stretches where he hasn't looked great. Marchand has certainly had uh, – last night was not a good game for him. You know, he takes two stupid penalties yeah. in the third period. Yeah. Uh, he only had one shot on net. Like, you know, he hasn't been that great lately either. So, I I think there's a lot of different players you can look at. Zanino Chara – had moments where he's been good this year and then moments where he's had some real rough games. I think Brandon Carlo's been like a minus 11 or minus 9 in his last 11 games. Like, he's come to earth and hit a little bit of a rookie wall as well. I just, I don't think it's fair to single it out to one player because I think a lot of players in this roster have not been good under Claude this year and have certainly not lived up to what their advanced billing is and and that's a problem. You know who's been great though? Nashua's own Tim Shallow, Joe. He's been good. He oh, yeah. Been good. That kid, he did man. He's been scratched, though, for a couple of games. Yeah. Where Claude, Claude said he basically felt like he was kind of wearing down because of how many minutes they had to play him and the role they were playing him in. And, like, he liked him since he came back in the lineup again. But you're right. He's, you know, he's been above and beyond. Obviously, Carlo's been impressive as a rookie. Yeah. I think Chara, for the most part, has been good at 39 years old. Um, Dominic Moore has obviously been fantastic. I really like Anton Bleed. Uh, he draws penalties and plays that agitating role really yeah. well. But, you know, by and large, and Pasternak, obviously, until this recent stretch, has been very I good. I think he's a little uh, 
in La Laville, if you ask me. Yeah, but he's gonna so de- they're going to deny right it. But, yeah, hey, and Joe, can we just get McIntyre back up, please? Like, enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> what does a kid have to do, you know? <laughs> Given the quiet nature of Hadovin right now, I get a feeling like he knows that his time is coming. Like, yeah. once the World uh, Juniors is over and Vladar comes back to Providence from the Czech Republic team, I think that's when the move's going to happen. Yep. We shall see, my friend. Well, uh, hey, yep. Providence isn't that bad a town, Anton. You'll, you'll like it. It's not bad. Yeah, he'll do fine on Federal <laughs> Listen, buddy, happy New Year. We will talk to you down the line, my friend. All right, Murph. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Take care, buddy. All right, Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Join us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll switch back to football, talk some bowl games and NFL games with the one and only Gabriel Morenci. Stay with us. There's no time to lose. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for The Right Time with Bomani Jones. Only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above the Noise. Yesterday we were lucky to witness one of the great Rose Bowls in history. USC beat Penn State 52-49 in a game filled with wild swings and unbelievable plays. Some people will make the argument that this should have been part of the college football playoffs. Both USC and Penn State played very well in the second half of the season. They might have been tough to beat in the Final Four, but not competing for the title didn't take away anything from this game. When you look back at college football history, some of the greatest moments were in bowl games that had nothing to do with the championship. Think about Boise State and Oklahoma in the 07 Fiesta Bowl, or Joe Montana leading Notre Dame past Houston in the Cotton Bowl. I'll admit the bowl season has been anticlimactic, but the Rose Bowl had it all. History, tons of big-time talent, drama, and it was a whole lot better than those semifinal games that we saw in the playoffs. A great example why bowl games can still be very special, even if you're not in the Final Four. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Look, folks, if you're paying attention even a little bit, you know the playoff picture is heating up for the top college football programs. And unlike the pros, it's not just the playoffs. We're talking about the bowl games as well. With so many games to watch, I'm going to choose the place with wall-to-wall TVs, and that's Buffalo Wild Wings. And like always, they've got new burgers. How about the cheese curd bacon burger and new sauces like Havana Heat, an exotic blend of spices that adds the perfect amount of heat to your wings while supplies last. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Whether this is the year you take control of your family's future with an estate plan or finally get your dream business up and running, don't let legal questions hold you back. Use LegalZoom instead. LegalZoom provides you with the tools and confidence to wrap up your legal needs. And since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, there are no expensive hourly fees. Instead, you can get legal advice at flat rates from their network of attorneys licensed in 48 states. Plus, get special savings when you enter the promo code PATRICK at checkout. That's PATRICK is your promo code. Legal. This is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is the place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper.
Are you going through a rough patch right now and could use some help from professionals? Are you unsure of how to proceed and could use a guiding hand? Well, then let the attorneys at Dehar Law Firm make life easier for you. At Dehar Law Firm, they handle a wide variety of cases, anything from bankruptcy or divorce to estate planning and personal injury. Contact Eleanor Dehar at 603-622-6595 or visit Dehar.com for more information. Dehar Law Firm, serving individuals and businesses in New Hampshire since 1958. The Sports Blast, Saturday afternoons from 11 to 2, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. Well, okay, mister, I don't want Chris Sale because I don't want to give up Yohan Moncada. Oh! Before I saw Moncada in person, and he struck out every single game of his career. Happy holidays. You didn't want to give up Yohan Moncada. I went back. You know, we're always saying we're going to pull the tape, we're going to pull the tape. I pulled the tape, and both of you guys did not want to give up Yohan Moncada. Play the audio, Brian. We don't actually we don't have it. The Sports Blast, Saturday afternoons from 11 to 2, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices? I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil. You're a genius! So really, would your food choices pay off in heart health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels, and that's good for your heart. Here's a winning idea. Take up the challenge for good health, because the you of the future will say, Fantastic! Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. Brake lights. Must be an accident. Bad one. Big truck, little car. That doesn't usually end well. When a large truck or bus meets your car on the highway, it can be fatal. They have very large blind spots or no zones in front, behind the trailer, to the left of the driver, and a large portion of the right side of the vehicle. If you can't see the driver in his side view mirror, he can't see you. Follow this simple tip because safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Sponsored by the New Hampshire Department of Safety and aired in cooperation with this station. Well, here, babe, look at you in love with someone else. They punch the guys on the left oh. under center. Goldman takes the pitch and just walks in to cap a tremendous creative evening for this Clemson offense. Is it overtime? Or does Matt Bormeister win it for the Trojans in the Rose Bowl Classic right here? It's good! USC wins it! It ain't so bad! Rock and roll! Oh yeah! Little Motorhead means it's time to talk to Gabriel Morenci of Fantasy Sportsnet and MMA. And he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And I know he had a busy, busy holiday season, the bowl games, the final weeks of the NFL. I'm hoping right now he's in a Domino's pizza, getting some pizza to nurse that football hangover from the holidays. How you doing, my friend? 
Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? Always a pleasure. No, I'm not in the dominoes, but uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, nevertheless. All right, sounds good. And let let let's uh, let's get into one little thing, and then we'll get into football. Um, by the way, Gabe, uh, that's one win over Canada for the USA, and another one coming in a few days. You ready? Is there, is there a tournament going on right now? <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we had Charlie McAvoy, defenseman for Team USA, on, and they're pretty excited and. Uh, I think they're not going to say it, obviously, but they're looking forward to another another game with Canada in the finals there uh, in the Bell Center. What's it been like uh, around the tournament up in Canada? The atmosphere been cool? You're in Toronto, so I imagine it was uh, kind of a buzz around that or what? No, you know what? Uh, there actually hasn't been, surprisingly enough. Really? There's been a lot of... A lot of criticism about uh, the tickets. Tickets are gone for like ten bucks, twenty bucks, etc. Um, they've gone back to the well one too many times. Uh, there's sort of an assumption, like you know, they'd be better off putting this tournament in North Dakota or in Buffalo or something, right? Not because in a big at this city. Point, I think people are just sort of you know hockeyed out. As crazy as it sounds, I've told this. You know, I've been telling people this for years. Actually, and it's ironic because the Leafs are actually red hot right now. Uh, but the Leafs have been doormat for, you know, 40-plus years, basically. And, you know, the Toronto Raptors are very successful. The the Toronto Blue Jays are a successful franchise. And, you know, the city of Toronto is a very multicultural um, city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the most multicultural cities uh, in the world, actually. So there's a different demographic uh, here. Hockey just isn't as big as it used to be now. It doesn't mean that... You know, they, you know, when Canada plays, there's 18,000 people. Uh, but every other game, tickets are six bucks on StubHub, and even the Team Canada games aren't selling out. And what's crazy is even the the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings, the uh, the Sultanial, whatever the hell they called it, the Winter this or the whatever classic that they call these things nowadays. You would assume that the Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto and a beautiful day um, that it would be. It wasn't even sold out. It didn't even sell out. Yeah, you know, I, I'm on the mailing list for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, and um, I never get uh, emails from the Toronto Raptors stating that tickets are released. Tickets released the day of the game means we didn't sell them. <laughs> so on a daily, <laughs> pretty much on a game by game basis, I'm getting emails from the Toronto Maple Leafs saying, "Oh, we just released tickets." So you know, the the, the network that that has the rights to it is pushing it pretty hard, but. With all the bowl games that have been going on in the NFL, it's really it's not as big as it used to be, as crazy as it sounds. Uh, but without being stated, um, I know that Canada's got some goaltending issues. Defensively, they've got some issues. That this isn't uh, the same dominant world junior Canadian teams that you've come accustomed to seeing over the years, actually. Yeah. Well, we will see what happens. I know USA is looking pretty good, so... The, uh, yeah, watch out for the Swedes, too. Yeah, they're always you know, the good. The Americans are playing well, but the Swedes are killing it. Yeah. They are. They're nasty. Hey, listen, let's get into the football right now. Uh, let's just go right back to last night. I mean, that Rose Bowl, that was something else, uh, Gabe. And, and we were just saying off the air, Justin was saying, if that didn't tell you that Penn State belonged there instead of Ohio State, uh, I don't know what does. Yeah, I would agree with Justin's, uh, Justin's assessment uh, on that. And, you know, the whole point of the college football playoff was to take the politics and to sort of take the the debate out of it, but all it's done is really open up a new debate. You know, dare I say that the BCS actually was 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 um, you know wasn't as bad as everybody thought that it was. Really, if you look back on the BCS, they really didn't screw up. 
you know, we didn't like the fact that it was a computer, et cetera, but it just, it opens up a Pandora's box uh, right now. I yeah. mean, the fact of the matter was Ohio state didn't win their conference and they lost to Penn state. Uh, I think they, the, the case was pretty clear. I think that I think would be a little naive to believe that there was a little bit of a hesitation with Penn state because of the scandal uh, in the past and uh, not to be relived in the playoff, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. that it was like, listen, you guys are back, but we, you know, we're not going to bend over backwards for you here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and let's, let's be realistic about this, that, you know, you can't, you can't discount that. And I said this last year, we've only had a couple of these things right now. Right. So what are we into the third one now? Yep. Um, so it has pretty much been, if you look a popularity contest, you know, there's been the same teams in here. Your pedigree definitely does matter. And it's, it's an issue. Now the 14 playoff doesn't work. It's just it's dumb. And it, you know, if if anything, there's I could go on and on about this. But long story short, yeah, Penn State definitely. In hindsight, I think the committee should realize, you know, let's just put the conference champions in. Very similar to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Now these bowl games, the bowl games were a lot like the World Juniors are basically. People are watching on TV, but they're not going. And there's too many of them. So, you know, you got 40 crap-ass bowl games. And listen, I love college football, and I'm one of these guys, every one of the games matters and all that type of stuff. But at the same point in time, the fact is, you know, there was no one in the stands at the Bahamas Bowl. There was like 3,000 people there. <laughs> um, nobody wants to go to Boise in the middle of the summer, let alone during the holidays. <laughs> like, you know, Mobile Alabama had a bowl game December the, the 26th. Oh yeah, because you know I want to spend my Christmas night in a hotel in Mobile, and then uh, and then go to the game. It's ridiculous. So if what they should do, in my opinion, is you want to keep the bowl games fine and make it interesting. So when Idaho played against Colorado State in the Potato Bowl that nobody gave a crap about, make it a playoff game. You know, it's it's a play into the playoff game basically. And then suddenly, you know, ESPN can say, hey, you're welcome to the college football playoff opening rounds. Yeah. And I'm not stating you make Alabama and Clemson play. Uh, you know, Alabama and Clemson don't have to play North Dakota State. They don't have to play <laughs> against, you know, Idaho. You give, you know, the top teams a bye for a couple of weeks and you're, and the, the bowls build up. So the Las Vegas Bowl would have been really cool. You know, yeah, it's Houston versus San Diego State and it's a playoff game. They move on to the next round. And, and that's that's what they should do, in my opinion. Uh, but and, and at the very least, just simplify it right now, in which you win your conference championship, you're in the playoffs. Yeah, pretty simple. But of course, they have five power conferences in four spots. So what they should do is just all right, make it five. You you know the five power con- you win your conference, you're in. Simple as that. No woe is me. No woe this and that and the other thing, because then we get into the subjectiveness of it. Because everyone would say, well, Ohio State are a better football team than Penn State are. Yeah, they might have <laughs> lost to them, and it might not. Everyone's making excuses. We all know Ohio State are better. Yet hindsight showed us they're not better. Nope. You know, hindsight showed us that they weren't better. They're not better right now. Maybe Ohio State you know, looked better earlier in the year. They don't look better right now. Penn State had won nine football games in a row yep. uh, going into the Rose Bowl. So Penn State did get a short end of the stick, but – Make just the five power conferences get in. 
And then out of the other ones, the at-larges, the, you know, the Sun Belt, the MAC, the, the American Athletic, et cetera, whoever's the highest-ranked team out of you guys, you get in, boom, we have a 16 playoff, give a bye, figure it out, guys. But, you know, as it is now, hey, you know, once again, we can bitch and we can moan, but ultimately, similar to the BCS, we have the two best teams in college football playing each other in a championship game again. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing. That's what the beauty of college football is going back to the old days and just the AP poll and the debates when there were ties and all nine yards is it's always been one of the, um, you know, one of the, the sort of, you know, things of college football that they've always said, yeah, we're not perfect, but people debate it and they, they're passionate. They talk about it. So it's sort of, you know, it's sort of just one of the, 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 you know, additions to the allure of college football, but ultimately, you know, it's a long winding road to get there, but ultimately, you know, you'd be hard pressed to say you don't have the best two teams playing against each other in Alabama and Clemson again, just like last year. You are correct. And you know, we will, uh, we'll preview that game later in the week, Gabe, but I want to get to, uh, who ruined your New Year's weekend and your, your holiday bowl week? What teams really ticked you off? Well, pretty much all of them. <laughs> pretty much all of them. Um, you know, history repeats itself uh, for me on Just a yearly like last basis. Week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bet too many of the early bad bowl games. Then I'm worn out and my bankroll is beaten down by the time that we get to the big boy games. <laughs> and it's a similar situation. I've done very well as as – you know, over the last weekend or so, I've picked it up a lot. You know, and let's be honest, it's tough to, to pick a winner in an Old Dominion Eastern Michigan Bahamas Bowl game. <laughs> so you almost get what you deserve. Did anyone think that Idaho was going to score 65 points? You know, the total was 61. You look at the bowl games, the games that were supposed to be track meets, you know, Washington State, you know, scored a touchdown in garbage time. Boise State and Baylor, Baylor wasn't supposed to care. It was going to be a high-scoring game. Baylor killed them in a low-scoring game. You know, the games that are supposed to be ugly, Wake Forest and Temple goes way over the number. <laughs> you know, it's it's been almost opposite. And, you know, we saw with the playoff games over the weekend, both games stayed under the number, which I was surprised uh, about. Like, I thought both those games would go over. Um, you know, I was on the right side of both the sides. I liked Alabama. I like Clemson on the money line, actually. So I was on the right side, but I tainted it by thinking that both games uh, were going to be going over the number. Yeah. And, um, you know, but uh, we wrapped it up pretty strong yesterday, actually. 3-0 and uh, on the TV show. And, uh, you know, we jumped in on um, jumped in on Penn State plus the points. And we had the over that football game, one of the easiest wins ever, the over, uh, over 59 in that game. And then last night, and I'm usually – this is where I've done myself in, and I've got reassessed. We'll have resolutions uh, in the new year, <laughs> but uh, mine will be stop uh, betting the side end total of every game. Yeah, and I have a tendency to do it, and it's very rare that I'll, I'll I'll pass on the total. I try to talk myself into the total often, or a teaser often, and I end up just ruining the single uh, bet. Yeah, and you know, last night Oklahoma and Auburn. A lot of people thought, oh, man, look at the Rose Bowl. It's just a track meet, and this game's going to be a track meet. And, and then, look, Auburn scored right away, and there's going to be a lot of points. And I didn't bite. I was like, man, it wouldn't shock me if this game was a lower-scoring football game, but I don't want to touch it. College football totals, man, they, they, you know, they're bombastic, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, especially with the teams being off for a month. You, know, you never know what you're going to get you know, when a team hasn't played football in 26 days. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and I, I think that's what kills a lot of people there. And 
you look at these games too, and you, you kind of try and look at all right, what did they do down the stretch? Were they like you'd said though? But there's so much time off in between, you can't really factor in whatever momentum or non-momentum they had, right? No, it doesn't matter exactly. If you you know if you if you don't play for three weeks, obviously what happened it, it's irrelevant. And some yeah. some of these teams, and it's even worse because the bigger the bigger the game, the longer you haven't played uh, in and. You know, there's rust. Did Washington lose to Alabama because of rust? No. No. But was it enter- was it an entertaining game? No. <laughs> you know, no, you know, Alabama was sloppy. As good as Alabama are, oh yeah, they were terrible. On Their offense. fans were terrible. False starts, overthrown balls. Um, it was a sloppy performance. Washington were overwhelmed. <laughs> Ohio State were terrible. It, it was so Ohio sloppy State that are- they said, Lane Kiffin, you can leave now. We don't need you for that final game. That's how sloppy well, yeah, it was. That, you know, that, that was somewhat part of it. Saban <laughs> didn't like the sloppiness on the offense. Uh, but it was it was a boring game. And then conversely, you know, the Clemson-Ohio State game was a boring game. Yeah, I was surprised you know, at that. I thought that was going to be better. I really, I was disappointed. I thought that was going to be so much better. Yeah, one team was ready to play, and then uh, the the other team, uh, the other team wasn't. But you know, Clemson blasted Oklahoma in the playoff game uh, last year as well. Uh-huh. So it might be that you know Clemson's actually uh, just that good. But you know, and even if we're not going to alter the playoff format, which they will eventually, but mm-hmm. it'll take years, and then you know they'll move it, or we'll move it to six, and then to eight, and through like the NCAA tournament, and eventually it'll expand. Uh, but um, the uh, the uh, the fact uh, the the fact of the matter is, you know the uh, the Clemson Tigers are a dangerous football team uh, right now, and they they are they're on such a mission that you know they've 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 stayed focused. They were able to play well off of the buys, uh, the, you know the prolonged um, prolonged delay in between their last game and the game against Ohio State. But I think the level of football would be better if uh, we just sort of moved everything up a bit. Yeah, you know, so you have the SEC, you know, you have Championship Weekend, which is usually the first Saturday, December, let's say December fifth or whatnot, and then basically, you know, give each team a, a, a bye week, sort of like the Super Bowl. You get a bye week, guys, and then the, the playoffs start in two weeks. You know, so you play on the nineteenth, let's say, and then boom, New Year's Day is your championship game. You know, and then you're going to get better football, actually. Yep. Um, you know, you can take, you, know, you can give them two bye weeks even. If you wanted, like, you know, a week off after their conference championship game, the playoffs, Christmas week off, boom, New Year's championship game. But I think you'll get a higher level of football and you'll get a better gauge because we hear a lot of people now, oh, this conference sucks and that conference sucks. And this player, I guess, is overrated. And oh, look at this guy. Oh, his draft stock fell because of the bowl game. It's one game when they haven't played uh, in a long time. It's going to be random. So you know, I think you'll get a better quality, um, a better football, actually, if we played these uh, playoff games sooner and you'd have a better gauge of who the better team actually is as opposed to it's sort of being random. I'm not saying it's random and, you know, the better team doesn't win, but at the same point in time, it is kind of random. When, it's, when a team hasn't played for nearly a month, it's like starting all over again. It really it, is. It really is. Yeah. For sure, and especially as we witness, like when things can happen where a coach gets hired by another team, you, it definitely affects your preparation. It definitely is like sort of a cloud hanging over these kids, and it's just anything can happen in that huge time span. So I'm with you. Hey, quickly, before we let you go, Gabe, uh, over under on how many more games Brent Mushberger calls? <laughs> well, yeah, it seems like they're trying to put Brent, uh, 
Brent's one of my favorites. He's one of uh, mine, really too, is. but, man, last night was not a good night. Uh, he really is, but uh, I heard, you know, I was I heard, uh, I was watching live when I heard him say, don't worry, folks, he's doing well. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, Brent, you probably talk about the girl that he punched in the face if she's doing well. <laughs> you know, so he definitely came across. It came across, and then he basically told everyone off after the game. Yep. So, uh, no, I'm not picking on Brent. But, uh, yeah, he's getting older. And, yeah, it's the beginning of the end, so to speak. He only did the Las Vegas Bowl and, uh, and this Bowl. And I, I'm a big Brent Musburger fan. But Me too. It's sort of like Lou Holtz. You know, Lou's a good guy, but as he gets older, you know, he'll start to say more things. You know, <laughs> Listen, I'm only 46, and I don't care what people think. So I imagine these guys that are legends in their 70s are like, do I really care what Twitter's saying? <laughs> hey, none of, they can't all be Don Cherry, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Don Cherry. <laughs> Don, if Don Cherry was in the states, he he would he would have lasted like two weeks on TV. Uh, right? I love him up there. Like man. The, the, the things that Don Cherry says in Canada, <laughs> the politically incorrect things that he he states. But the way, it's like Don Cherry is like Trump, except um, brasher. <laughs> right? We'll put it that way. I love it. <laughs> like if Cherry could have voted for Trump, he would have. But like, oh yeah, like. You know, Cherry, yeah. It, it, Cherry, Don Cherry, it's amazing that he's lasted as long as he has. God actually, bless him, man. You know, yeah, off the yeah, air, too, he's great, too. When you talk to I don't know if you've ever had the chance, but I've had a couple just off-the-record, off-the-air convos with him, like, just talking hot. And, you know, some of the things he's told me over the years are really coming to fruition. And we can't get into it now, but I'll just tell you, he knows the game. He really, He's still got an alert oh, eye for the game. Oh, no, definitely. He's a character, and... You know, he's, he's way off base um, on a lot of stuff, but right. he's entertaining as hell, and he does know the game. He does. Without a doubt, he does, he, it, he does know the game. And there's a lot of people out. younger than us you can't say that for, so hey, God bless him. Hey, listen, Gabe, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you at the end of the week, all right? Okay, good stuff, Jimmy. All right, happy new year to you and yours. And uh, we are the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. we got one little small segment left, so stay with us. We'll be back. It's the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Christian and King. One game? Yeah, one game was ridiculous. One? It was ridiculous. You got ripped when you gave Ray Rice two. two. And now you're going to give this guy one? Yeah, no, it's just... And what this is guy, wrong with yeah, This guy's really bad. Josh Brown's ex-wife told police of over 20 physically violent yes. instances. Police were called on multiple occasions to the Browns' residents in Washington State, St. Louis, and New Jersey over the years. Jeez, three states, come on. Weekdays, noon to three on ESPN New Hampshire Radio and streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com. The year-end holiday event is going on now at North End Subaru in Lunenburg. From now until January 3rd, get 0% financing for 63 months on select Subaru models. Make no payments until March and get a $250 gift card just in time for the holidays. Legacy, Impreza, Forester, Outback, over 350 vehicles in stock. You're one click away from great holiday savings at BuyNorthEndSubaru.com. See Peter Rigoda, BuyNorthEndSubaru.com for details. Offer ends January 3rd. 
With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gait video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. If you've got a little money left over from Christmas, let's talk about an accessory that all hunters, fishermen, and wildlife watchers should have with them, binoculars. Not only can you see better with binoculars than the naked eye, whether it's 50 yards or 250 yards, you can see better with binoculars than through the scope of your rifle, which shouldn't be used as a spotting scope. Binoculars can cost from $50 to over 1000 Plan on spending at least a few hundred. For my money, a good place to start is in the 8x32 or 8x42 power range. 7x35 would work as well. These will allow you to hunt, bird watch, or look across the pond to the boat that's catching all the fish to see what they're using. Binoculars alone won't guarantee a successful day outdoors. They're just another tool. But the way I see it, they're an important tool. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Hi, I'm Tim Daly. If you're over 50, like me, you know that we all need to be more aware of our health. Take pneumococcal pneumonia, for example. It's a serious lung disease that can be spread when people cough or sneeze. My mom had it. Now, it won't always happen this way, but for my mom, it was serious enough that she was in the hospital for over a week. She had difficulty breathing, was really weak, and had a terrible cough. Some adults think they're too active or healthy to get sick. But as we age, our immune system weakens, putting us at greater risk. It may surprise you, but it's estimated a quarter million Americans over 50 are hospitalized each year because of pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're over 50, talk to your doctor about your risk for pneumococcal pneumonia and see if you're up to date on your vaccinations. Learn more at www.whoknew.com. That's www.whopneu.com. This message is brought to you by the American Lung Association in partnership with Pfizer. Hi, I'm... You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for The Right Time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Welcome back. Final segment here of Stretch Rounds. It's going to be a quick one, so we'll just give our thanks uh, to all our guests today. Charlie McAvoy, Bob Snow, John Serenades, Cole Wright, Joe Haggerty, and the one and only Gabriel Morenci. And thanks to Justin Sullivan for working the boards here. And send a big happy birthday out to my good friend. You heard him here a while back on the show. The former bagpipe of the Dropkick Murphys and now with the Mahones, Scruffy Wallace. Happy birthday, Scruffy. And may you all end up on the sunny side of the street in the dirty old town. 
We'll be back tomorrow on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Dream the dream.